I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. What's up, Hells fans? Welcome to our over-under special on the Bird Calls, SB Nation's podcast dedicated to your pelicans and the birdrights.com. I'm your host, Preston Ellis, and today we are joined by Zachary Junda, our second-time guest. What's up, Zach? Well, this is a good Saturday. We got basketball back. We got college football. We got NFL. It's, it's, it's a good time of the sports calendar. Yeah, it's the best time of the sports year, in my opinion. Everything's just super exciting. It's the earliest part of the NFL and the NBA, so everybody's still super uh, optimistic. And as we speak, we're getting uh, live reports from Pelican's uh, training camp at the Smoothie King Center from Ollie. He's posting that in our little group. So exciting stuff. He's really high on, uh, he says, Jordan Crawford and Ian Clark are literally splashing everything they take. So, Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. It's an exciting time to be a Pelican fan. But uh, before we move on, make sure you check out our previous podcast with said Ali and Kevin recapping Media Day. That was last week. And if we want to know more about the Pelican Southwest Division foes, go back and check our previous episodes featuring some outside experts from each team. And as always, make sure that you rate rate us rate us on iTunes, please. We have almost 30,000 downloads and we only have 24 ratings. What's going on, guys? So do us a favor. We appreciate it so much. It really is so helpful to our podcast. Uh, thank you. If you have a moment, do that for us. Zach, you ready for this, man? Yes, absolutely. Let's do it. And let me just disclose. We here at the Birds Rides do not actually endorse gambling. But, nope. <laughs> but if you partake in such vices, this is what you should listen to. Yes, nice work. Uh, all right, we're breaking down these over-unders. Now, these are, uh, Zach and I just discussed this. Uh, these are all according to Westgate Las Vegas Superbook as posted on ESPN.com on September 5th. But I also have the more recently up, uh, updated numbers from VegasInsider.com as posted September 26th. So you can see the difference that Carmelo Anthony and Dan Dante Cunningham make in the eyes of Las Vegas. Okay, Zach. Where do you want to start? You want to go uh, contenders or bottom dwellers first? Let's see bottom dwellers first. All right. Let's start with the back. We've got the Phoenix Suns at 28 and a half. Let me get to the transactions and let's see what they did last year. Okay. So they got Anthony Bennett, Troy Daniels. They just acquired in a trade with Memphis. Josh Jackson, uh, Mike James. Let's see. Who'd they lose? They only lost... Leandro Barbosa and Ronnie Price. And of course, they added Peter Jock from uh, the said Pelicans. And they won 24 games last year. They're at 28 and a half. Uh, over or under, Zach? 
I'm going to take the over. I don't think the Suns are going to be good. They'll probably be the last place team in the West. But I like the Josh Jackson. I kind of like this young Phoenix team. I think, and I got a question for you. At what point does this team, does that Phoenix team take that step? Is it the year after? Is it two years? Because I, I think this Phoenix Suns team has some promise. It's tricky because they and Sacramento do have a, a lot of young talent uh, that we don't really know. Uh, you know, at what point they're going to take the next step. You got some second year guys in Dragon Bender and Marquise Chris, who uh, Chris has a really high upside. But uh, I, I remember even when he was coming out of college, we had this debate about whether or not he was going to reach his upside or just stay at the bottom because he 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 had no middle ground, according to a lot of scouts. He's either going to be an all star or he's going to be a complete bust, according to those guys. And we didn't really see too much from him last year. Dragon Bender is still uh, super young. And then we've got these these kind of they're kind of in the same uh, situation that Sacramento is where they have these these veterans like an Eric Bledsoe who are surrounded by these younger guys like you know Devin Booker and Tyler Ulis and TJ Warren and you almost sort of think that they should get rid of these Jared Dudleys and Eric Bledsoe and just you know tank let these young guys get some time but uh it's it's just tricky to me cuz where does Eric Bledsoe fit in when when Devin Booker needs the ball where where does Tyson Chandler fit in when you know you've got to get uh, Alan Williams, Marquise Chris on the floor, Alex Len, these these younger guys. Uh, I think it's I think it's confusing, and I think uh, I think at the end of the day, they they let these young guys get some time and hopefully trade Eric Bledsoe at some point to a contender and uh, just try to get a high lottery pick. Yeah, and I really like these young pieces they have. I like Tyler Ulis. I like Devin Booker. I can't I can't buy enough Derek Devin Booker stock. I'm going to go bankrupt buying Devin Booker stock. I like Josh Jackson. But I, you could also argue Phoenix isn't great. I, I can't believe Anthony Bennett's on another NBA roster. I, I I thought he was done. I can't believe he's back. My God, that's Anthony Bennett's music, you know? Yeah, I know. Eric, oh, my God, what the hell? Anthony Bennett's my back God, in the they, NBA. They I thought he was dead. He's back. Oh, my God. No, I, I, I think he's probably just a training camp body. All of these, uh, I'm on Hispanos NBA right now, uh, thanks to them for all these transactions right in front of me. And they, they have um, – they have 20 roster spots for each team. So a lot of these guys aren't actually going to play in the NBA next next year. Like I'm looking at Sacramento right now, and I'm looking at Jakar, Samson, and Matt Jones. I, I have no idea who those guys are. Maybe you do. Uh, maybe you're a bigger fan of the NBA than I am. But I would I would have to assume that those guys are not going to be in the NBA next year. And Anthony Bennett hasn't showed us anything in the NBA or in Europe uh, or in Canada at this point to to make us believe that he's going he's gonna to turn the tide and, and come out and be a – I don't know, a meaningful minute guy in the NBA. Uh, you ready to move on? Anything else to go on the Suns about? No, I just like want to say again, I am all for Devin Booker. I am team Devin Booker in case anybody wants to sell me more stock. Please send me all of it. Uh, what do you do with, with Eric Bledsoe and Tyson Chandler at this point? Do you, I, those those guys are, are tricky. They, they're still good NBA players. Uh, don't Don't they belong on another team? I think they do, but... I would keep Tyson Chandler more so than Bledsoe. I think just because Chandler's kind of at the end of his of his run, I, I think you need bodies like that guy in your locker room. Kind of like I'm looking, if we can segue into a Sacramento thing, like a Vince Carter, like a Zach Randolph, showing the young guys how to be pros, how to be NBA players, because that, that, you need people like that. I know, and that's 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 my counterpoint is that – the Kings and the Suns almost have too many of those guys. They've got Eric Bledsoe, they've got Tyson Chandler, and they've got Jared Dudley. And Memphis just pulled in George Hill, Zach Randolph, Vince Carter. They don't need three of these 
veterans who are really just going to take up minutes on teams that uh, potentially aren't really going to contend for the playoffs, in my opinion, according to uh, the Las Vegas Superbook. The Sacramento Kings are slated at 28 and a half, and then it was updated to 29 last week. I don't know where they got that extra half win from, but uh, they won 32 games last year. Half of those, of course, with DeMarcus Cousins. Uh, And let's see what they got. Um, They lost Aaron Aflalo. That looks like uh, Darren Collison, Tyreek Evans, Langston Galloway, Rudy Gay, Ty Lawson, Ben McLemore. So uh, a bit of of an overhaul. But like we said, they did bring in George Hill and... Zach Randolph and Vince Carter, these these guys are going to want to win games. So, uh, yeah. where do, where do you have them at, Zach? I, I might keep them at that at that even. It's a bit of a push, but I also I really like De'Aaron Fox. I, I got to see him because I'm an LSU guy, so I got to see him play at Kentucky. And I think I think De'Aaron Fox is the truth. I think he's got that great um, that great mindset. He's just so fast. He, he's he's John Wall out west i think he, he's just a blur with the ball in his hands i don't know how this harry giles thing is going to work because he, he's he's supposed to be uber talented but just coming off those, those knee injuries at duke and and then the, the other thing with harry giles you have harry giles you have willie collie steen and you have skull Bissier and costa kufus why, why do you have four centers what, yeah. what do you need that for yeah they and the phoenix Suns just have this like glut of 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 depth that really doesn't quite fit yet you you can't really um i don't know i don't i don't see either of these teams as winning more than 30 games they they just look like a like a mismatch of of young talent that uh it's not really a a wholly developed roster at this point you agree i agree but i think would you agree that i think the the kings are maybe just maybe are, are starting to turn it around i know that's you have to you have to show it but I think they got the right personalities. Like I said I, I, I'm big on Fox, especially with that leadership, those intangible things people talk about. You got you know guys like Garrett Temple, you got Zach Randolph. I like Frank Mason. Buddy Heald's a great teammate. I think I think Sacramento in a couple of years could get there. Yeah, it's a lot of possibility. It kind of reminds me of the the baby bulls back in the early 2000s when you've when you've got all these like high picks or guys who are touted by NBA scouts as you know being promising young NBA players, but. Uh, we just we just don't know if any of these guys are going to take the next step. If one or two of these guys does take the next step, then all of a sudden you've got, you know, two building blocks to build around and you've got a lot of young talent that you can either trade for superstars. Uh, we've seen this past offseason that it doesn't take much to acquire uh, an NBA star. You just need a, a promising young player or or just a, a worthwhile NBA contract like a Jay Crowder uh, type thing. So if any of these guys do work out, then, yeah, they're going to be in enviable positions. but. We just don't know. So uh, it's 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 a nice time to be a fan of those two teams because you do have all these possibilities. But uh, whether or not it all comes together this season and one of these players takes the next step, we'll, we'll just have to find out. And that brings us to uh, another sim- a team in a similar situation, the Los Angeles Lakers, who are slated to take a jump from 26 wins last year to 33 and a half. Do you think they're going to win that many games? Let's cover who they uh, they lost. They lost Tarek Black, Timothy Mozgov, David Nawaba, Thomas Robinson, D'Angelo Russell, Russell, Nick Young to Golden State, obviously. And they brought in Lonzo Ball, Vander Blue, Andrew Bogut uh, in a bit of a curious move. The big move of the summer was Contavious Caldwell-Pope. And then, uh, oh yeah, and Brooke Lopez, of course. And then some young uh, rookies, Kyle Kuzma and Briante Weber, and also snatched Orlando Steven Zimmerman. Okay, over under 33 and a half, Zach. 
I just think that number's too big, even though they brought in talent. But I think – and it's all a moot point, right? Because this is the last year the Lakers are going to be bad because next year everybody's going to come to Los Angeles, right? This is what's yeah, right? going to happen. <laughs> um, but I think – I also like – I think we had a really good point guard rookie class coming in. I like De'Aaron Fox. And, and Lonzo, if he can be half of what he's supposed to be, I, I think he'll be a guy people love to play with. He doesn't have to be – a scorer and, he, and he's not going to be especially with that janky jump shot of his but he's got that vision he's got that handle he's, that, he's got that creativity I think he's going to be a guy that people will want to play with and I like Contagious Caldwell Pope I like I actually kind of like the Andrew Bogut thing I don't know how it's going to work but I like that they have it the broke Lopez thing and Larry Larry Nash Jr. Ju- Julius Randle that's a pretty decent-ish front line for a team that's I think it's just biding its time now I, I think once again, the Lakers are going to come back. We've got to give it another year. Yeah, I think Jordan Clarkson probably took a, a step back in most people's opinions last year. Another promising young guy that seems like he's not going to be much more than a seventh or eighth player in the NBA at this point. And he's on a pretty sizable contract. I think he's about $12 million a year. Uh, and as far as Lonzo Ball goes, yeah, he's got high upside. But I think just historically in the NBA, we just have more evidence than not that point guards don't put it together in their first year, really even in their second year. It's their third and fourth seasons when they begin to break out and kind of get comfortable. And it's it's a lot more difficult to to quarterback uh, an NBA offensive uh, approach than, than we might believe just because we think the guys like De'Aaron Fox and Lonzo Ball are so athletic and so intelligent coming out of college. But it really is just a, a, a higher speed and it's, it's difficult to figure stuff out. And I, I wouldn't assume that they're going to win more than 30 games this year either and plus you know we have all this evidence from magic johnson himself got fined i think five hundred thousand dollars this offseason because they're not even thinking about their young pieces their their minds are already in the future to to russell westbrook who just signed a five-year 205 million dollar deal but there were a lot of rumors about he you know picking up paul george and taking him with them over to los angeles so they're they're certainly banking on getting rid of all these contracts like the mozgov one in order to clear space to bring in you know, LeBron James or Paul George or DeMarcus Cousins. Uh, so what do you have them at? Do you have them over or under 33 and a half? I'll say under um, because somebody somebody has to be bad in the West. We can't have – somebody just has to bring up the rear. I think it'll be the Lakers. And I want to go back to one thing right quick. Speaking of second-year players, what do we make of Brandon Ingram? I'm looking at his height and weight. He's looking at 6'9", nice, but he's at 190 pounds. When is he going to start putting on weight again? Or when is he going to get up to the weight? Did you actually see the report this offseason that he actually gained two inches uh, this past offseason? He now stands at 6'11". So he's, he's, he's got that Kevin Durant body, but we're yet to see if he's got that Kevin Durant scoring ability. Yeah, here it is. It's on BleacherReport.com. It's silver screen and roll, clutch points. He's he's grown to 6'11", and he's quoted as saying, maybe I'll grow to Kevin Durant's height. So another apt comparison to Durant. That seemingly is what he gets a lot of. Uh, he certainly doesn't have the scoring touch yet that Kevin Durant has, but everybody's anticipating him t- taking a big step forward. But even with a big step forward and even with Caldwell Pope, it's like you said, somebody's got to be bad. And uh, pretty much everybody from this point on, we're only at 13. There's 12 teams left in in the West, and all of these guys are expected to compete. So we're out of the the bottom dwellers. And we're now into the guys, uh, the fringe contender or fringe playoff teams, I guess we should call them. And uh, that's the Dallas Mavericks. And they won 33 games last year. They were one step behind the Pelicans. And they're on both Vegas Insider and the Superbook at 35 and a half. Their real major addition was uh, 
Dennis Smith Jr., which they lucked into at uh, oh, I think ninth I like, overall. Yeah, but I they like didn't. Dennis, they didn't I like Dennis Smith Jr. Yeah, he's going to be good. Uh, but again, you know, rookie point guard. You can't assume that they're going to put it all together in their first year. They didn't really lose anybody. DeAndre Liggins was their big departure, and uh, they brought in a bunch of guys I don't know. Uh, a rookie PJ Dozier, Josh McRoberts. Although I'm assuming they're going to waive him, I'd be surprised if he gave any minutes this year. And Jeff Withy, uh, for the most part, everybody else is just training camp body. So we're going to see the same team we saw last year. Uh, Wesley Matthews is one year removed, uh, or one year further removed from his uh, Achilles injury. Nerlens Noel signed the qualifying offer. Uh, Dorian Finney-Smith re-signed. Devin Harris is back. Jose uh, Berea and Harrison Barnes. Like, this is the same team we had last year. So where do you have them at? You have them over or under? I go under. I don't. I don't like this Mavericks team. But uh, where do you stand on Yogi Ferrell? Because I, I, I can talk myself into Yogi Ferrell, even though he, he seems like an anomaly for for his size and his height. He's six feet, one hundred eighty pounds. At least with what NBA.com he is. I, I don't. I, he can't be that big. No, he's a little guy. But, uh, I'll pull it up. Right. Sorry. Go ahead. But but despite all that, he can ball, and I like him. Yeah, just because we don't have that much evidence on him, it has him slated on Google as uh, six feet, 180 pounds. Uh, he kind of had that Jordan Crawford type breakout where he came out, he was shooting hot from deep every game, uh, putting up points. You have to think that at this point, uh, you know, teams have more tape on him, more evidence of uh, what kind of player he is, and they know a bit better how to play him. I'd, I'd be surprised if he comes out and enjoys the same success. But, you know, you've got him and Seth Curry next to each other to open up the floor. You know, Nerland's Noel is super active. So they they will be moving around. They will be super athletic, and they are going to work hard. So, you know, we somebody's got to be bad. But, uh, you know, we see time and time again, Rick Carlisle finds a way to make these guys play hard. But at 33 wins last year, with Dennis Smith being their lone addition, Dirk Nowitzki one year older, I don't know, man. I think they're going to tank, and I think they're going to go all in on, you know, trying to chase uh, one of these – higher name free agents because you know there there's not going to be a lot of teams next offseason with with cap space so if you if you have cap space going into this next offseason 2018 it's almost like having another uh high lottery pick in terms of what kind of talent you can bring in so i don't i don't see dallas re-signing nerland's noel yet and you know going all in on this roster i think they're still remaining flexible and i think they they still have a move or two that they're that they're hoping to make this season what do you think yeah, but the thing about Dallas, the past couple of years, though, has been, oh, they're just, they're, they're, they got all this cast that they're going to sign somebody, they're going to sign somebody, and they never got anybody. Yeah. Like, if there's Wes Matthews, and is Harrison Barnes really the best that Dallas can get? I mean, that's that's the biggest piece that they've added all this time. Um, unless maybe they just kind of go, like you said, they go all tank mode and really put uh, Dennis Smith Jr. The, uh, at the forefront, like, hey, We've got money. We've got Dennis Smith Jr. Come play with this guy. We've got Rick Rick Carlisle, respected coach. We've got the piece. We've got a piece and the coaching and the money. Come help build this thing back up. Yeah, uh, I'm 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 on the same page as you. I've got them as under, and I, you know, Harrison Bards uh, scored something like 18 points a game last year. He really enjoyed a breakout season. But in order for them to really contend for a playoff position this year, he's going to have to take another step. And I don't, I don't know if Harrison Barnes is a guy who's going to put up 22 points a game. And I don't, I don't know how much Dirk Nowitzki has left. And we don't know if Seth Curry and Yogi Ferrell can really put up points against, you know, they're going to have to beat the the Portland's, the Clippers, the Nuggets, the Timberwolves. They're going to have to beat these teams. 
And I just don't think they have enough. I don't know if New Orleans Noel is a like a first team all defense uh, NBA or if he's going to take that next step this season. And they, they kind of have to hope he does at this point. Uh, but yeah, I've, I've got the under for them as well. So I think we've got a lot of under so far. We're expecting these teams to be really bad. And here's where things get interesting because uh, next up, we've got last year's seventh seed, the Memphis Grizzlies, slated at 11th. They won 43 games last year. Uh, the Superbook has them at 37 and a half, and then Vegas Insider has them at 38 and a half. They lost to the Spurs two to four in round one last year. A really exciting series, actually. I remember after game two, uh, Fizdale had those those famous quotes: "The refs aren't going to rook us." Um, he said, take that for uh, take that for stats, and he slammed the table. It was pretty cool, and they ended up winning the next two games in Memphis. So uh, a fun team to to root for, but like we said earlier, they did lose Vince Carter, Zach Randolph. Um, they did re-sign Jermichael Green to a two-year $17 million deal, and they brought in some promising rookies like Dylan uh, Brooks. They got Tyreek Evans. They signed Ben McLemore, who's out for the next two months. I can't remember what happened to a broken leg or something. So then, uh, of course, they bring back some some young guys in their roster, Wade Baldwin, Deontay Davis, James Ennis. They've got Mike Conley and Marcus Hall. And Chandler Parsons is said to be healthy. Where you got him at, Zach? I'm going to go with the under for Memphis as well. I kind of think this is Memphis's last stand. And I think I, – I, I don't like this roster anymore. It, it We saw it for six, seven years, and it never – rested and I just think it's starting to trend downward I, I still like Mike Conley a lot I like Marcus Saul but I don't really like a lot of these pieces around it I mean Tyreek Evans Jarrell Martin's my guy from LSU but it's just not there and Chandler Parsons is, is Chandler Parsons ever going to play basketball I mean what happened to Chandler Parsons man I don't know, man. Uh, series of knee injuries. Uh, poor guy, but he is getting paid for your uh, $95 million contract so yeah, whether or not good money if he can get it yeah, yeah, good money if you can get it. Uh, so the Grizzlies kind of have to hope that he's going to bounce back, but uh, you know he hasn't played a lot of games in the past three seasons, so this this could be the end for him. And if we do see them come out of the gate slow, I don't know at what point do you start talking about uh, Marcus trades and trying to snatch that Brooklyn pick from uh, Cleveland? But I don't know. I think he's a homer. I don't think he ever leaves uh, the Grizzlies, and the Grizzlies always fight hard and they always manage to surprise everybody and and win forty games. So. I've I've got them as under two just because, you know, the next 10 teams in the West, we're, we're all anticipating they're going to win a lot of games, and they're all kind of in a win-now crisis modes for the most part. So I've got them as under two. You ready to go to the next one? Yeah, let's keep going. Here's the shocker. This this might have a lot of, a lot of fans miffed, but uh, both Vegas sites have the New Orleans Pelicans as 10th in the West, uh, the Superbook has them at 39 and a half. That was before the Dante Cunningham acquisition and probably around the same time as the Tony Allen one. I can't remember exactly what date that transpired, but uh, now they've got them at 40 and a half post Dante Cunningham. Of course, they won 34 games last year. And the Pelicans are interesting because there's a lot of Western Conference teams like the Clippers, uh, the Utah Jazz, the Rockets, the Thunder, the Wolves who have had like such drastic changes to their rosters in the past, you know, four or five months that, that we really don't know what to expect, Zach. I, I want to be so optimistic about this Pelicans team. I just keep asking my friends who watch basketball, like, why can't this Pelican team be good? And it's just, there's, there's no wings that Solomon Hill thing. I'm not going to say that's going to tank the whole season, but you got Dante Cunningham and Darius Miller, who spent the past couple of years in, in Europe, that that's the best that the 
the Pelicans can work with. I, this is going to be tricky unless this this Davis Cousins thing just has to work out. It just has to. There, there's no – what if it doesn't? It has to. For a franchise like this, you don't get another chance at something so promising. I like Tony Allen, Drew Holiday, Rajon Rondo, Ian Clark, forcing you can play with back there. I like I, – I think New Orleans could be this – like Memphis reincarnated in a, in a way, just souped up defensively and they just beat the hell out of you. Two big guys that this tape Davis Cousins thing is like the maxed out version of uh, Zebo and, uh, and Mark Gasol. But it's just that wing position is going to be so tricky. And that's why I can't get a feel for what a starting lineup is going to be. It's going to be like what David wrote about a couple of days ago. The Pelicans starting five is probably just going to be, it's going to be Rondo holiday, Cousins, Davis, and then just this revolving door of it, it might depend on matchup or who's been playing the best, but this, this has to work out because if not, I don't know what the alternative is. I, I don't want to think about that. I want to be optimistic about this Pelican team. Yeah, uh, Ali really turned me around on this one. Uh, AD and Boogie post-trade uh, averaged 29 and 11 and 24 and 12, respectively. So the evidence is there that at least offensively, it's going to work. And AD took a step on the defensive side last year, uh, qualifying for the second All-NBA defense team. And I think the Pelicans ranked ninth overall defensively and 26th overall defensively. And our major concern with Solomon Hill is is what a large step forward the Pelicans defense took last year with Darren Ehrman. Uh, he was really able to slow down some wings, played really well against you know, Kawhi and LeBron and uh, did did as good a job as anybody can do at slowing down Kevin Durant. And Alvin Gentry and Dell Dems have praised him multiple times over the offseason for doing that. But the thing about losing Solomon Hill is while we do lose a very capable defender, uh, he was a zero for us offensively. And when you put somebody like a, I don't know, a, a Tony Allen or an Etwan Moore or an Ian Clark or even a Darius Miller, any of those guys are going to take a step up. I know we all think of Tony Allen as a defender, and he is, but his numbers are better than Solomon Hill's, not just scoring, uh, not just efficiency, but also rebounding. So where we do lose a little bit of defense, we should gain a little bit in offense. And as far as the Pelicans as a, as a team, you, you've got two top 20 players, and they're at their prime, and they obviously want to win. And you just have to think that there's enough intelligence and veteran leadership around them to just make it work. And we won 34 games last year. So I, I think I think winning six more is certainly uh, doable. And I think it's going to happen. And that's where we have us rated at right now. So I've, I've got the over. I think we win uh, 41 games next year at least. Hopefully somewhere around like 43 or 44 gets us into that seven spot. Where are you at, Zach? I'm going to take you over as well. And I got a question for you. Um, how much check Diallo do we see this year? You know, that's the interesting. And that's that's a question that I've been pushing forward since June. Because uh, not a lot of people brought it up. Uh, but now that we have Dante Cunningham, we have somebody who can give us minutes at the four. I was even more concerned about that. But I I don't want Alexis Agents on the floor. Uh, he seems like a nice guy. I love his Twitter presence. His wife is equally hilarious. Uh, and he did give us good minutes against the Nuggets last year. But he also got a lot of uh, DNPs, a lot of coaches' decisions last year. And we had Terrence Jones and Donatus Montiunas to back up that five. And now we don't have those guys. So we're going to have to see a lot of Check. And we have evidence that suggests that Check is going to get the ball. He's going to shoot it. He's not going to pass it. He's not going to move it. He's not really going to give us a lot of defense. Uh, he's a pretty good shot blocker, but he just lacks the overall awareness. And we even saw that in Summer League this, this offseason. 
is that, yeah, he can put up points and he's athletic on the end. And he's got a nice set of moves and pivots and stuff, but he, he just, I don't think he's ready. I don't think he's ready for more than 10 minutes a game at this point. Uh, so where, where are those backup five minutes are going to come from? They're going to have to come from a Jensa or going to have to go super small. Of course, everybody, everybody listening right now is going to say, well, it's not going to be a problem because one of Anthony Davis or DeMarcus Cousins are always going to be on the floor. And that's not the case because last year we saw at the beginning of the second quarter, there was always these four minute increments to start the second quarter where both guys were on the bench. He liked to give both of his stars rest at that point. Now, I don't know if he did that because he wanted to give them as many minutes together as possible to, you know, kind of build up their um, compatibility. But that's what the evidence suggests. We've also uh, seen that DeMarcus Cousins likes to get into foul trouble. He averaged almost five fouls a game for the Pelicans last year, and it kept him at 30 minutes per game. I'm doing this all off memory because I was so upset about it. I was like, why does this guy keep getting into foul trouble? Um, but we, there's definitely going to be some times where the Pelicans are going to have a backup five in there. And it's it's going to have to be Czech Diallo. Do you prefer him or Jensa at this point? I'd rather Diallo. I, I kind of know what I'm going to get with the likes of Jensa. And like you said, I don't like what I get anymore from a Jensa. I think Diallo is a really good unknown. And I think you got to turn him loose. I, 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 but I, I hope he stays on the roster. I hope they don't keep bouncing him back and forth between the, uh, I guess, the, the G League now, the Gatorade thing, whatever they're calling it. Um, and he keeps stays with the Pelicans and goes back down. And uh, I got two more things about the Pelicans. Want to ask you how much do you like this Chris Finch um, joining the coaching staff? Is that going to be the uh, the thing that really unleashes Demarcus Cousins? And where do you stand on headband wearing Anthony Davis? Because I don't like it. <laughs> well, it looks like uh, just from training camp videos, it looks like he's just stolen Dante Cunningham's headband because Cunningham's not wearing a headband anymore. So maybe the two of them are just sharing at this point where we we're at the same level of headbands on the court. It's just one player gave one to another player. But uh, as, just from talking to Ali and from listening to uh, Jake Madison on Locked on Pels, it, it seems like Chris Finch's involvement is going to be a little bit more minimal than was previously suggested. We had this sweeping notion of a Nikola Jokic-type offense geared around DeMarcus Cousins, and he's been interviewed, uh, and he gets kind of annoyed at that comparison, saying, you know, I'm not Jokic. I'm my own guy. I play my own way. And Chris Finch is just here to bring out everybody's talents. He's not here to necessarily, you know, turn me into another player that I'm not. And uh, so we, we are seeing evidence uh, that – that it's, it's not going to be the Denver Nuggets offense that we thought we were going to see whenever he was initially hired. And he's just there to be an assistant coach, to, to bring out everybody's best talents and to, to work on these, these four or five pick and rolls that we're all anticipating we're going to see. We've seen Darius Miller uh, hanging out in the corner a lot during training camp, working off screens as well. We've seen a lot of slashing and cutting from Drew Holiday and Tony Allen. So I, I think we're just going to see another typical NBA offense, not necessarily the Denver Nuggets offense. What about you? Yeah, it's interesting you said that because I hadn't I hadn't heard those things. I, I got swept up in the whole cousins is going to be the Southwest version of Jokic. So this is a um, I'm learning this on the fly. That's actually kind of disappointing. Cause I like I like Jokic a lot, and I was hoping that cousins could be our Jokic, but I'm also cool with him being his own guy. Um, is Omar Ashik even going to get on the floor this year? Is he even going to be stay on the roster? This is I'm, no, just, I I'm looking know. at his name now. On NBA.com, I, I just I can't believe he's still playing basketball or he's still getting paid to play basketball. Yeah. So for our listeners out there, Omar Ashik was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. Uh, that is, uh, I, I'm not a doctor by name, but, but basically uh, last February he went to Mexico and he caught this 
this stomach bug or so he thought. And after a week, he lost about 40 pounds and he hasn't been able to put the, the weight back on because of this infection. And uh, now it just came out uh, about a week or so ago that he has Crohn's disease. So he is out for the foreseeable future. It might be uh, one of those medical uh, redshirt situations where insurance is going to pay uh, the life of his contract over the next two years. And, you know, we're all anticipating some some sort of buyout uh, that might save the Pelicans a couple of dollars. And uh, maybe he'll be able to go back to Turkey and salvage his career and play out there. But I think at this point, uh, most most people are anticipating he's not going to see another NBA minute. And as far as um, the Chris Finch, uh, Denver Nuggets thing, if I could just go back to that for a second, I don't know if you listen to the ringer or follow it, but uh, I've never seen Ali Cassell so up in arms. It was actually kind of fun. Kevin O'Connor of the ringer said that DeMarcus Cousins wasn't a good three-point shooter and wasn't a good passer. And Ali basically just burned the internet to the ground because, uh, of course, we all know that DeMarcus Cousins was almost at 36% from three last year. And knocked how it down dare you? Of, I know. How dare you? Uh, knock, knocked it down at a pretty proficient rate. He was an exceptional passer for the Pelicans. I didn't watch him as much with the Kings as other people have watched. But uh, he, he's one of those few players in the NBA who has the, the strength and the vision to, to just whip the ball across the court to, to shooters on – on any side. Of course, he also is turnover prone. You, you know, you see him try to dribble between his legs and bounce it off his foot, but uh, he does have the capability and the talent to be one of the best uh, big passing big men in the league. So if, if you can check out Kevin O'Connor's comments on that and uh, just watch the corresponding uh, Twitter rage that Ali Cassell followed with it, it's a pretty interesting follow. Uh, let's, let's wrap up the Pelicans because uh, we're not even to the top nine yet. Yeah, well, if we're going to wrap it up real quick. I take you over, and I hope this team makes the playoffs. That's, let's just leave it at that. All right, Pels fans. There are nine teams slated above us, and next up is the Utah Jazz. Their over and under was 40 and a half, uh, but now, and the Pelicans was 39 and a half, but according to the new Vegas Insider uh, documents, it's got them taking a step back to 38 and a half. Of course, uh, they won 51 games last year lost uh, 0-4 in the second round to Golden State after getting past the Clippers in round one in a 3-4 series. Of course, the big name is Gordon Hayward. Uh, let's see what else they did this year. Uh, they lost Boris Diaw, Gordon Hayward, George Hill, Trey Lyles in a, in a peculiar trade to Denver. Uh, Shelvin Mack, uh, Jeff Withy. And I say that because there's, there's nowhere for Trey Lyles to play in Denver. They gave a, a first-round pick for him. And that's somebody the Pelicans could have used. So that was a that was a, a strange deal. And then Denver went and traded a big man in the first round, I think 12th overall. So peculiar. But they do have uh, high upside guys like Derek Favors. Rudy Gobert is going to take even another step forward this year. He's going to be one of the best big men in the NBA. Rodney Hood, we're all expecting big things from him. They brought back Joe Ingles, who averaged something obscene, like 44% from three last year. Joe Johnson is still, uh, still a scorer. And uh, Raul Mato, what do you think? I forgot Ricky Rubio. Probably oh, yeah, the trade there, but, yeah, that's pretty important. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I think Utah is a team that New Orleans is actually going to pick off and, and leap over. I don't, I don't like this Utah team anymore. But I like, I like Gobert. I like Gobert. I like good favors. But I, just, I think they take a step back. Yeah, unless you're a big Donovan Mitchell truther, he's another one of these uh, scoring rookies that uh, that people are expecting big things from immediately. Uh, but but you just never know. Uh, you you have to expect against that. And they also brought in Jonas Jarebko, who can give him meaningful minutes off the bench, uh, three point scoring big man, kind of in the mold of like a Ryan Anderson. 
You've got Tabo Cephalosha, who they got at a great deal, something like three years, 18 million. I'm, I'm guessing that off memory, but, um, you know, uh, another type guy who can be a, a shut down defender um, and can really help their, their style. They, you have to believe they don't take a step back defensively, especially with Ricky Rubio on the court. Uh, he's, he's a willing and able defender. And if Ricky Rubio can get Derek Favors back to where he was two years ago, help Rudy Gobert's evolution and, you know, get, get Rodney Hood up to 20 points a game. I don't know. I don't, I don't see them taking a big step back this year, but 51 games is definitely a bit too bold, but I, I think I've got them. I think I've got them over there at 38 and a half. And I think 40 to 41 wins is certainly in the realm of the possibilities, but I shall also preface that by saying we had a couple of years ago where everybody three to six was just within a game of each other in the Western conference. And I think we're going to see something like that again, where there's a lot of teams just separated by two or three wins. And that's going to be somewhere in the lines of like four to nine this season. Uh, So you said you had them under, yeah, I'm going to take the under. I, th- I think the ones are going to leapfrog past Utah. You can't see uh, a team with Rudy Gobert and Derek Favors and Ricky Rubio um, winning 37 games, but but you never know. And, of course, uh, we haven't even factored injuries into any of these decisions. None of these teams are going to be this fortunate uh, going I just don't know where forward. the scoring's going to come from either. Yeah, I, I, everybody's anticipating that Rodney Hood is going to become a 20-point-per-game scorer, and there's a lot of – a lot of big fans of Donovan Mitchell. Uh, he had a, break, a nice breakout performance um, in summer league. I think he was the 14th, maybe the 16th overall pick in this year's draft. So uh, he he could have been a steal. So that's that's where they're hoping they're going to get it from. And also the Ricky Rubio factor. Um, Michael McNamara is a big fan of Ricky Rubio. He thinks he just puts people in the right positions, just puts them where they need the ball, to where they feel comfortable, to where the ball just starts going in uh, magically. So We'll we'll see. They're definitely going to be a contender for the playoff spots this year, even though Vegas has them out. Next up, we have the Portland Trail Blazers. Last year, they won 41 games. They lost in round one to Golden State 0-4. And the Superbook has them at 42.5 wins, but Vegas Insider has them at 40.5. I think that's a bit closer. Of course, that Yusuf Nurchif, uh God, I can't even pronounce that name, Nurkic trade, uh, did them a lot of favors last year. They played really well with him in the lineup. They unloaded Alan Crabb uh, to save from lottery space. So they do lose a shooter, but they did bring in Zach Collins, a rookie. I think he was about 10th overall. They traded two first-round picks to get him from the Sacramento Kings. And they also brought in some, some guys who probably won't see any minutes, like Archie Goodwin, Anthony Morrow. And they really only lost Crab, Festus Azili, and Tim Quarterman. So, where do you have them at, Zach? I, I would take the over. I also I like Caleb Swanigan. That's the guy from Purdue. If I if I remember, I, I like that guy. But I'm also wondering: Has Portland just kind of capped out? Have, have we kind of seen like as high as Portland can climb? Because I I don't know how much more we can get out of this group. Well, they do still have some movable pieces. Of course, if they ever wanted to blow it up, uh, any team in the NBA would be happy to take C.J. McCollum or Damian Lillard off their hands. But then they've got a bunch of these guys, these these wing players like Al Farouk Amino, Mo Harkless, uh, Myers Leonard, uh, Noah Vonley. Um, they've, they've just got too many bodies at all these positions. Ed Davis. So if they ever did want to unload these guys, I think they'd be able to do it either for free or maybe a, uh, attach like a second round pick to it. I think there's a lot of teams in the NBA who could use somebody like a Mo Harkless. Noah Vonley uh, would work right under the Pelicans trade exception. Of course, they can't use the trade exception because they have no cap room left. 
But uh, should they, you know, stretch uh, somebody like Alexis Agensa, Noah Vonley would be would be a great guy to slide into those backup five minutes. Um, so they do have some flexibility. The real albatross is that that Evan Turner deal at, you know, I think 17 and a half million per year. And uh, I, I don't even consider him a starter in the NBA right now. He is uh, about a year and a half removed from his injury. So, you know, maybe he regains his uh, composure back from his days with Boston. But so far, we've seen that Boston is being the only place he's been where, uh, you know, you had a coach capable of of utilizing his best talents because he's not a knockdown shooter uh, by any means. He almost is kind of like a point point four at this point in his career. He's a bit too slow to to be a three. I don't know. Where do you have this team? I'm gonna take the over. I think they make playoffs, but I I, I think and maybe I'm just being optimistic again. I, I think New Orleans can also leap over Portland. So I think Portland will bring up the rear, still make playoffs. But be that eight seed, or maybe maybe just miss out by a game. All right. Also, I just not. Re- I, I'm remembering. I spent the whole night, one night on the Bird Rights Twitter, spelling Myers Leonard name wrong the whole time. So if he's listening, <laughs> which he's, which he's not, I'm sorry, Myers Leonard. Of course he's listening. This is a very popular podcast. We've got almost thirty thousand downloads, and one of those has to oh, be right, Myers yeah, Leonard. There's no, there's no dispute. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, I I've got this team is over just because. The, every every year around All-Star break, we see Damian Lillard get snubbed and uh, we see it just light a fire under his ass after that point. And he starts putting down, you know, like 32 points per game. Uh, obviously, he's a minus defensively, but he just does so much offensively. And C.J. McCollum just keeps taking steps forward. And when when Yusuf Nurkic was out there and he was healthy, these guys were dominating. Um, so I've also got them over. I've also got them in the playoffs. I've got the the Grizz falling out and the Jazz, hopefully falling out and this takes us to our another team that could potentially take it a step back losing Chris Paul we've got the Los Angeles Clippers who last year won 51 the Superbook had them at 43 and a half Vegas Insider has them at 42 and a half they lost 3-4 to the Jazz and round one and they're another one of these teams that's going to be super tricky to figure out just because there's so much uh so many transactions that have happened this year they they lose Chris Paul but they bring in Patrick Beverly, Sam Decker, uh, Danilo Gallinari, who has a, a broken hand because he punched someone in Euro basketball, which is pretty awesome. Uh, Montrezl Harrell, Marshall Plumley, Willie Reed, Mios Teodosic. Uh, they drafted Sundarius Thornwell and and Lou Williams. So I mean they've they've Wait, got a, they've got a, a, a deep roster. They're they're handing the reins over to Blake Griffin. Uh, they're about to re-sign DeAndre Jordan, according to reports. So these guys aren't going anywhere. The only players they lost, Brandon Bass, Jamal Crawford, Luke Mabab Moot, um, Paul Pierce, J.J. Redick. So it, it's a bit of an overhaul. You would think it takes them a second to put it together. But do they, Zach? I think they hang in there. But the the Griffin thing, I, I'm really interested to see what – Blake the man is you know but he, he's also out for a couple of weeks right for a couple of months until uh about December right so that's going to take a little bit of an adjustment time but I like I like that they didn't blow it all up they easily could have done it but they they kept some pieces they might have even upgraded some areas I like that they're a little bit deeper and also like don't let's not forget um Jerry West joined the organization so he he's taking over those gm duties and doc rivers can just be doc rivers coach instead of doc rivers coach and gm because i said i think this is about as deep as the clippers 
have been in a couple of years, and that was always their downfall. They didn't have the bench, they didn't have the supporting guys. They, they they didn't have they had maybe six or seven. They didn't have nine or ten like this current group probably has. Yeah, uh, it's it's going to be tricky because they they managed to do very well in this Chris Paul trade, which uh, was a big score for Houston. But at the same time, you know, they only got him to a one year deal, and they they gave up a lot to get that one year deal, including a first round pick. So. Uh, Los Angeles really did well in this transaction, and uh, a lot of people have them in the playoffs. Uh, Vegas has them as the seventh seed, but I don't know. Blake Griffin's injury history, uh, I can't even remember how many surgeries he had at this point. Zach was uh, mentioning a, a toe injury. He's hoping to participate in training camp, but he's been limited thus far. But uh, we we just have a history of him missing games at this point, and without him, with that you know cacophony of, uh, I don't know, veteran NBA guys, but are they are they good enough to challenge in the West? I think the answer is no. I've got them as an under, and I've got them falling out of the playoffs last year or this upcoming year. But I know I'm one of the the few. But you know the Trailblazers and the and the Pelicans have to be there. So what are you going to do? Yeah, I, I actually I, I'm gonna disagree. I think they still stay in the playoffs, but maybe as a as a seven or or maybe cap out as a six. I think it all depends on how quick Blake comes back. Because I just read a a thing he's hoping to be back by training camp but it was reported he'd be out till december that's such a wide variance of he's just going to be here as the season starts or he's going to come in midway through that's such a a weird one or the other yeah well if you've got the the clippers in the playoffs and we've got the trailblazers in the playoffs then one of the next two teams is going to have to fall out and i'm anticipating you're going to say it's this next team uh, the Vegas Superbook has the Denver Nuggets at 45 and a half and Vegas Insider has them at 43 and a half. They won 40 games last year and they really didn't lose a lot. So you'd have to anticipate that uh, this this team has a has a lot of stability right now. And their big acquisition, of course, was Paul Millsap, who's going to add a lot. And they only lost Danilo Gallinari, who's a good player, but he was really never available for them. So I'm on board with this team taking a, a, a step forward, and they've got young guys who are who are going to be playing better, like Malik Beasley, Will Barton, uh, Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, uh, all these guys fighting for contracts for playing time, high upside guys. If they can get anything out of Emmanuel Moutier, that would be a bonus. And, of course, uh, possible dark horse MVP candidate, uh, Nikola Jokic. I don't know. I've, I've got them in the playoffs. Where do you have them, Zach? I, I've got them out, actually. I'm wondering – we talked about the Chris Finch thing in New Orleans. What does this do to Denver now that he's not there anymore? Does this change the offense in any way? But I mean, there's always been pieces about Denver. That I like, I've always been a Fareed guy. I like Will Barton. I like Jokic a lot. But I don't know. I just, I, I got to see it. And I just, I, I don't, I don't think they're going to get there. I, I do like, I hope he makes it because I wrote about him. They, they drafted Monte Morris out of Iowa State. I like him a lot. I don't know if he makes the roster or not. He might just be a training camp body, but he's a real stable ball handler, especially if, if Moutier is fringe, because I know people are a little unsatisfied over there in Denver with them. If they need a if they need a guy, I think Monte Morris can be that guy. He's a he was a four year starter at uh, Iowa State, and he holds a record, the assist to turnover ratio record, um, all time, I believe. So if they need that second guy or someone to possibly take over from Moody, I'm hoping it's going to be Monty Morris. 
And Moody is a guy that would also uh, fit very nicely under the Pelicans trade exception should Rajon Rondo or Drew Holiday miss any time uh, at this point this season. Our backup point guard would have to be uh, some version of Ian Clark or Etuan Moore, guys who aren't truly suited to really manage that position. And of course, you know, we'd probably go to a situation where DeMarcus Cousins becomes a, a point center at that point. But uh, the Pelicans could possibly be in the market for a point guard, and Emmanuel Moutier would be a, a great candidate for that, should that happen, should one of these two older players, uh, well, I shouldn't call Drew Holiday older, he's only 28. But, you know, these guys with injury history, should they miss any time, this could be a potential guy the Pelicans could go after. But we're running out of time, Zach, so let's let's take a step forward. You've got the Nuggets as out. I've got them in. Um, we're up at the Minnesota Timberwolves, another team in the West with a major overall. They brought in Aaron Brooks, Jimmy Butler, Jamal Crawford, Taj Gibson, and Jeff Teague. And they lost Omri Caspi, Chris Dunn, Jordan Hill, Zach Levine, Adrian Payne, Nikola Pekovic and Ricky Rubio to go along with Brandon Rush. Let's see where uh, Vegas has them at 48 and a half or at 46 and a half. They won 31 games last year. I just think it's really hard in the NBA for a team to to go up 17 and a half wins, uh, especially with yeah. such a, a massive overhaul. Where do you have them? Yeah, that number's insane. I, I think the Timberwolves are going to be good, but that much better? I, I don't know. I, I, I think they can make playoffs because I, I like Towns and Wiggins and Butler and Teague. There's a lot of time, Taj Gibson, but that's a huge number. So I'm going to take the under, but I think they still make playoffs. Yeah. Okay. So we have our playoff guys now. Uh, we've got Portland, uh, the the Pelicans, We've got, I've got Denver, you've got the Clippers, and then the Timberwolves, and then some version of Oklahoma City, San Antonio, Houston, and Golden State. Let's let's get right up to uh, who Vegas has as number four, the Oklahoma City Thunder. 51 and a half, they won 47 games last year, and after the Carmelo trade, they're now at 52 and a half. They lost in round one, one to four to the Rockets. They just locked up their MVP, Russell Westbrook, to a five-year, $205 million contract, the richest contract ever given in the NBA. So let's see what else they've done. I know they had some version of uh, Patrick Patterson was brought in. Let me pull it up. Um, Okay, here we go. So Carmelo, of course, uh, Raymond Felton. I didn't know about that one. Paul George, Patrick Patterson, and that's it. And then, of course, they uh, re-signed Andre Roberson to a pretty favorable contract, and they still got – you know, Alex Sabrina, Stephen Adams, Nick Collison, Josh Hustis, and uh, Jeremy Grant, who they gave up a first-round pick for last year. And they lost Norris Cole, Todd Gibson, Enos Cantor, Doug McDermott, Victor Oladipo, and DeMonta Sabonis, pretty much all of those players, uh, to acquire their two new superstars, except for Todd Gibson. Um, where do you have them? I'm going to go over. I like this Thunder team. Um how high do you think the Thunder can go, or how how far how deep of a run can they make? Because I think they can make Western Conference Finals. Yeah, I definitely could put them at the Western Conference Finals. Although, uh, I don't know. The Rockets are tricky. Uh, they're another one of these teams we don't know what to expect from. But we know San Antonio, and uh, we know they're going to win somewhere in the mid to late fifties. Just you know, based on evidence, you 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 have to give them the benefit of the doubt. And we're going to talk about them in a second. But. Um, I think they can give any of these guys a run for their money. I I just don't know that they put it all together with Carmelo Anthony. You've got three, you know, ball dominant superstars who 
you know, we just trust they're going to be able to put it all together just because they're, they're such good friends. They played us basketball together and a kind of similar station with a uh, similar situation with Anthony Davis and DeMarcus cousins, where you have all this talent on the, out on the court and you just have to assume they can make it all work. But Paul George and Russell Westbrook, I can see that working just because Paul George can be such a wonderful defender. He's so active at all times. He's a guy that always tries hard. He always gives 110%. Can't necessarily say that about Carmelo Anthony. He's a guy who likes to have the ball. He stops the ball. He likes to work up at the elbows. And I don't know how well that's going to sit with Russell Westbrook because when they had Kevin Durant doing uh, sort of the same thing up there, it it caused a lot of strife between the two of them. And Carmelo's going to be asked to do even more than he was ever asked to do in New York and um, and Denver because he's going to be asked to rebound. He's going to be asked to, to guard bigger fours. He's going to be asked to use his body more. Uh, he's going to get beaten up. He's going to be doing a lot of the, the Kevin Love not-so-pretty type things. And is he going to relish that type role, Zach? I don't know. If he, if he plays like Olympic Carmelo, because that's that's always been the best version of Carmelo Anthony. If that's the key, the thing that fascinates me about Melo with all the moves that he was supposed to be going to, he's supposed to go there or there or this place. There was always that. Well, does he want to live there? Because he lives in New York and he has Lala. That it, it just got to a point, and I can't blame him. Where he just said, "Forget lifestyle. Get me the hell out of New York. I'll go to Oklahoma City." Yeah, and they certainly got him in a sweetheart of a trade, just giving up Doug McDermott and Enos Cantor to get him. I don't know uh, what kind of picture is the the Thunder Sam Presti has of these other two uh, franchises who gave up their stars for, for seemingly nothing. I think the New York Knicks would have been better off just to buy Carmelo out or just let him play because uh, if anything, he drives fans to Madison Square Garden. They can get their ticket sales up a bit higher. I don't I don't know how much they gain by bringing in Doug McDermott and Enos Cantor. Of course, it might be one of those toxic situations where you're like, you know what, we just need to hit the reset button and give Porzingis the ball and the offense and uh, Frank Nicotina. But with that being said, um, I think a, a buyout is still a better bet than having Enos Cantor on your books for $18 million a year. But uh, we we are at a time crunch. We've got three teams left. Let's go to San Antonio. Uh, they're anticipated at 54 and a half wins they won 61 last year of course they still have Kawhi Leonard who a lot of people are picking as the possible MVP candidate this year to go along with LeBron just because it's going to be hard for James Harden and um and Russell Westbrook now that they're surrounded by other superstars let's talk about guys that they brought in not too much uh, uh I don't even know who Darren Hillard is uh Rudy Gay Joffrey Laverne and Derek White was one of their rookie draft picks. Uh, they lost Joel Anthony, Dwayne Dedman, David Lee, Jonathan Simmons. Simmons and Dedman, of course, are the big ones. Those were uh, big contributors. Dwayne Dedman even started. They brought back Paul Gasol on a three-year, $48 million deal. So he is probably going to be their starting center next to LaMarcus Aldridge. And then, you know, they've got young guys, Kyle Anderson, Davis Bertans, and uh, De- DeJounte Murray and Bryn Forbes guys who we don't know a lot about, but we just assume they're going to take the next step because it's Greg Popovich, right, Zach? Yeah, and that's what's going to – this might be a little bit of a hot take, but, like, this, we know the Spurs are going to be good, but, like, are we sure the Spurs are going to be, like, Spurs good? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm I'm just nervous for the Spurs in that – I thought the three-year $48 million deal was too much for Pau Gasol. He seems to be slipping. LaMarcus Aldridge seems to be slipping. He's a head case. Yeah, he He's seems to. Be... Yeah, go on. He he seems to just be unhappy. He's not playing as well as he did. I remember uh, two years ago 
when he was playing against uh, Omar Ashik and Dwight Howard. I think it was two, maybe three years ago. He was still with the Trailblazers at the time. He was destroying some of the better des- uh, some of the better defenders at their respective positions in the NBA. I think he scored forty five points two games in a row. He's not that player anymore. He can't just dominate. I don't know if the game is changing or if he's taking a step back, but he's he's not that surefire all star that he was two years ago. And he seemed to have taken even another step back during the playoffs uh, where he was virtually a non-factor for some of those games. Uh, Kawhi Leonard is is carrying even a heavier load than he had to previously. And P- Pau Gasol is basically a turnstile uh, defensively at this point in his career. He's still a capable rebounder and a scorer, but um, having him at the center position next to LaMarcus Aldridge, how, how do the Spurs keep playing defense, Zach? I, I don't know. And I just, it, I mean, yeah, the Spurs made Western Conference Finals. How much better did they actually need to make the roster? But I don't think this roster got any better. And you're you're going to have Kawhi. But once Kawhi went out last year, once he got his ankle rolled, that roster got exposed. And, yeah, they played Golden State, and they're a, a modern-day juggernaut. But those Spurs looked awful those last three games, three and a half games of the Western Conference Finals. And it, it – yeah, there's infrastructure and pop and Kawhi, but it sort of felt a little smoke and mirrors after Kawhi went out. Yeah, it's hard to believe they were up in game one by 23 over the Warriors and uh, seemingly about to knock them out in game one in Golden State. But uh, of course, Kawhi Leonard landed on two different feet. One of them was David Lee's foot on his own bench. And the second time was, uh, of course, the Golden State center. Oh my God, his name's escaping me. I see game seven, game seven, baby, Zaza. Uh, Yeah, so, um, and now the reps are going to crack down on that more than ever on the closeout. Um, But it, it, I I wish we could have seen that series with Kawhi Leonard in there because he was unconscious at that point, uh, just dismantling Golden State. Uh, So I've got them right around 54 and a half. I don't necessarily have them over. I don't necessarily have them under. I know that's not a number, but. I could see them winning 54 or 55 games. I definitely see them in the top three again, just because you have to trust pop and Kawhi Leonard is just so damn good. I remember last year, he's, he's like a snake in the grass. Uh, Solomon Hill and Dante Cunningham did a real good job in slowing him down. He had a, he was somewhere around 20 points, very quietly scored 20 points. A lot of them on foul shots. And then at the end of the game, we had a two point lead and drew holiday. He just took the ball away from drew holiday was just casually uh, dribbling at the top of the key. And Kawhi Leonard just, with his big bear paw, he just knocked it out of his hand, went down, scored a dunk, tied it up, and then uh, I can't remember how the Spurs got the next basket after that, but uh, it's 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 almost like it was casual to him. He was like, oh, we've got a minute left. I better win this game. Uh, so definitely very afraid of the Spurs, and I think I think they, they stay right where they're at, uh, somewhere around 54, 55. Uh, let's go to the Rockets. We've only got three minutes left. Um, of course, they had a big offseason trading a lot of their young guys, as we discussed earlier, to bring in Chris Paul. Although that's not it. They also did some other nice moves. P.J. Tucker at the mid-level. Luke Mabah Moot, uh, they got him on the uh, on the minimum deal. They also brought in Tim Quarterman for some backup uh, point guard minutes, I guess I would assume, and Demetrius Jackson and Tarek Black. And uh, they really didn't lose much other than that. Uh, let's see where Vegas has them, Zach. Uh, 55 and a half pretty much across the board. They won 55 games last year. I, I think that's pretty spot on. What do you think? Yeah, I'm going to say over, but I got my eye on this Houston team. I'm I'm not sold on this Chris Paul, James Harden thing. Are we sure this is going to work out? Because I'm skeptical. 
I definitely think it's going to work out in the regular season just because they can so easily just, you know, have Chris Paul command those second units and James Harden, for the most part, uh, command the first units. And other than the the first eight minutes at the start of the game and the eight minutes at the end of the game, it's really not going to be a problem having these two guys in the same court except for, you know, 16 minutes a game. And I I think they can figure that out uh, pretty well in the regular season. It's when we get to the postseason that we're going to begin to see these guys break down and begin to see somebody like the Spurs really take advantage of them. And I don't, I, I see them as a, as a regular season performance artist, but once we get to the playoffs, I, I just, I don't see them getting past the second round. What about you? Well, you're saying the Chris Paul team won't get past the second round of the playoffs. <laughs> Was it that subtle? <laughs> hey, um, and, and plus the personality difference in Harden and Paul, Harden or Paul is an asshole, and Harden just seems so laid back. I think I think Harden's going to hate Paul, and vice versa. I don't know. Uh, the guys have been really well in touch all year. They're obviously close friends. Uh, they've been working out together all summer, so there's got to be some kind of connection there. It's just we we see time and time again that when we get into the playoffs and things start to look down, James Harden checks out. Um, he checks out, Chris Paul gets angry, Chris Paul starts making enemies and, you know, we can definitely fast forward to May right now when, you know, the Rockets are trailing in a game six against the Spurs. They lost a 114 to 75 last year in game six because James Harden virtually just stopped playing. And that's, that's definitely when we can see a fight breaking out between Chris Paul and James Harden and Chris Paul potentially, you know, heading out, he's on a one-year deal. So that's that's where I think their season and possibly relationship ends. But um, who knows? Two top five players on the same team. Got to hope they can put it together. Uh, we're not even going to talk about the Warriors just because I don't think we need to. They added Omri Caspi and uh, Nick Young. And, you know, they didn't really lose anybody other than Matt Barnes, James McAdoo, and Ian Clark, who's now a Pelican. So anything you want to add about them? No, I would just say, like, how high would too high – for their their over under wins like 81 and a half i could be talking like 81 and a half hell give me the over you know what i'm saying i, I know they're, they're just, sorry go they're ahead just so good they're just yeah. so good they're at 67 and a half and i'll take the under just because i don't see them trying that hard i i see them winning somewhere around like 62 63 games just because uh steve kerr himself said this morning he said they had a 12 minute str- scrimmage and the guys retired um i think you know that it's it's a long season it's it's a, a long playoffs. I think they played something like 17 games in the playoffs last year. So, you know, you can just see them just uh, taking a step back and celebrating and relaxing and working all these shoe contracts and TV deals and whatever else they're they're working on outside of the NBA. And uh, I, I just don't think they try as hard in the regular season anymore. It turns into one of those Miami Heat type scenarios where they kind of coast through the regular season, wins, win as many games as they need to to lock up the one seed. And they just kind of mail in the rest and they get to the playoffs and they just dominate everybody again. But let me let me let you go, Zach, because I got to go. Thank you all so much again. Again, you've been listening to Zach Junda and myself, Preston Ellis. We're giving you the over-unders. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to retweet, share, and rate us on iTunes. And make sure to subscribe on our pod so you can enjoy our Southwest Division preview as well as our Media Day special. Tomorrow we should have another pod with Ollie and Trevor who are attending practice today. So look out for that. Zach, any parting shots, man? No, say no to gambling. But if you do listen to this podcast and if you if you if you win, we told you so. If not, we told you to say no to gambling. <laughs> You're the man, Zach. And uh we'll come back at you guys in a little in a little while and we'll give you the East over unders as well. But for now, I'm Preston. That's Zach. Let's go, pals.
Technology Truths, brought to you by GEICO. Technology Truths. Truth. Teenagers can communicate entirely in emojis. How was the birthday party? Pizza slice, kitten, soccer ball, pineapple? Truth. It's so easy to switch and save on car insurance at GEICO.com. What are you talking about? Paperclip, shoulder shrug, high five, wizard hat? What? GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Let's consider the secret life of the innermost nesting doll. Living most of her life in the dark inside the other nesting dolls, she has plenty of time to think, if she could. Sadly, she has no brain. However, when an innermost nesting doll hears that Geico not only saves people money, but also has been providing great service for over 75 years, she thinks it's obvious you should switch. Because yes, switching to Geico is a no-brainer. Pity the innermost nesting doll and her lot in life. 